Good morning. My name is Spencer Brose, and I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's. It is a blessing to be with you today as we gather together in the name of Jesus Christ to worship, to pray, to sing, to sit in silence, to explore God's word, and to be in fellowship with one another. It is good to be here with you, whether you're here physically or here in spirit joining us online. As we explore the scriptures today, we turn to Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You might know these as a part of the overall Sermon on the Mount. And these are Jesus' words. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So when you spend an hour trying to figure out what you want to watch for 30 minutes, on, you know, with what various streaming services or what you may have available on your cable. We find that our Netflix particularly, thank you, Ross, one of the things we land on if we can't decide on what is cooking shows. Anybody a fan of cooking shows? Y'all watch cooking shows? Don't feel like I want to commit to a storyline. Maybe I want to do some doom scrolling on my device and I just want to have something else there to look at every once in a while. That's we do that too. Where, where you, by, raise your hand. What's your favorite cooking show? What cooking shows y'all watch? British Baking Show. The British Baking. Yes. Any, are there any others? Some of you say no. There are no others. But that's a very big one right now. What, what else do you watch? Nailed it. Yes. That's that's. Is that the one? The Pinterest one, and they show it on Pinterest, and then they try to make recreate. It. Yeah, it's a good one too. Which one do you like? Is it cake? Oh, yeah, that something looks so cool, and you don't know if it's something else, the thing it looks like, or if it's actually a cake. Yeah, very nice. Good stuff. I'm, uh, anybody? <laughs> what do y'all watch? He's pointing at y'all. Ask me. Sugar Rush. I don't know that one. There you go. Well, there you go. It's Sugar Rush. So, 
back in the 90s, is about when the Food Network started, one of their big, got, big chefs, kind of their, I don't know, I don't, uh, maybe Gordon Ramsay with a lot less cussing, I don't know, maybe, Emeril Lagasse, anybody remember Emeril Lagasse? He had a, he had his, he cooked in front of the crowd, which is kind of how those shows were back then. They cooked in front of their crowd, and they got excited every time he, he, he did this. Y'all remember, rather than try to remember it, we have a, just 12 seconds. Bam, 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 bam. And he takes some green onions, and he goes, bam, 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 but Lagasse likes his salt. And uh, so we, we, you know, we watch these shows and enjoy the shows. And, you know, there's not a storyline. And, and I don't know, I, I tend to walk away more hungry from those than anything. Um, but they're fun to watch. And, and, uh, but when I think of, when I think, I still think of that, when we read that passage about Jesus telling us to be salt, I still think of, they, like have to, I don't know if they practice that in, in culinary school or what, that kind of that, that flick of whatever spice they're adding to something. <clears throat> so when I was working on this <laughs> Sunday sermon, it came to mind as well. And part of that is, um, it, it's not all that far from the idea that Jesus is exploring here. Um, about being excited about the thing that he's adding to his food to enhance it, to improve it, um, to make it uh, all that it is meant to be. And that's how Jesus uh, sees us. So we're going to explore those two things, no surprise, salt and light this morning, as they apply to us as followers of Jesus. And before we look at it, how it applies to us, we're going to explore a little bit about their worth in and of themselves. And, and I went down some rabbit holes, just researching stuff, because I wanted to see not only how do we understand these things now, but how did they understand them when Jesus was talking to that crowd? How did, how did they understand? Because one of those things is when salt loses its saltiness, Jesus says what? Throw, you throw it out, right? Well, we know chemically NaCl is always NaCl, and when salt, it's always salt, but they had different salt. Well, they had less refined salt then, so the parts that were salt eventually would go away, and then you were left with whatever was left behind. So beyond that, what else about in their world was, why was salt uh, a, a common thing that Jesus could just throw out there that people could um, see deeper meaning into? The one, first one is, is, is the same as it has, I think, been forever, is about food. It enhances flavor. I remember uh, looking at reading, well, watching one chef, he says, if you taste something and there's just not enough, not enough whatever else, so it's just not enough. Add salt. It enhances the flavor that, you're lo- that you already have. I think that's pretty good. But also, Jesus was surrounded by fishermen. Fishermen who made lives off of catching a lot of fish at one time in nets without refrigeration. How do you get all of those fish to get them to people so that they have them as food? And you don't consume them all at one time. Um, they have to last. And fish don't last very long. You pack them in salt. Salt was, is a preservative, and they used it very heavily as a preservative before the days of refrigeration. 
We live in an age when we don't have to harvest ice um, to use it. Ice would be harvested and, and out of big lakes. My father-in-law is from Minnesota. They, they talked about, he didn't live in those days, but they talked about those days when they would harvest ice from the lakes and then you cart them to ice houses and they're packed with straws, insulation to keep ice. You could have ice most of the rest of the year because of that before electrical refrigeration. Israel didn't have frozen lakes, so they never had anything. Everything was always at least room temperature, right? Because that's the way the world was. Sometimes it's helpful. I find it helpful to kind of put myself back into that mindset as much as I possibly can. And because salt was so useful, well, another thing that salt was used, it was they saw it as a fertilizer. They would add it to their soil to help grow things. Now, if you put too much salt on stuff, they would salt stuff. If you were conquering a people and you didn't want them to grow anything, you salted their fields, which meant you heavily salted it and it was dead for a while. But a little bit enhanced the soil and things could grow. So salt was heavily used and, and necessary for the life that they lived and to the extent that the Roman army paid their soldiers sometimes, in salt. That's how we get the word salary. The, word, the first three letters, S-A-L in Latin, are salt. It's their salt wages. <laughs> when you get your salary, they are salt wages. It became a French word, and that's where we get it in English. And as we use salt in our lives, there are some interesting, I think, qualities that they would have been aware of. They wouldn't know the chemistry behind it or the biology behind it. Anybody salt their melon? Yes. <laughs> my dad salts his, all of his melons, and my girls are like, ew. Well, they were. Now they kind of get it. But salt, because of its properties of enhancing a flavor, it brings out the fullness of a flavor even of watermelon, and it enhances sweetness. It's real. It's not just imaginary. It also, if you have bitter coffee, you put a little bit of salt in your coffee, it's not as bitter anymore. How about that? It improves, it reduces bitterness and improves sweetness. Those are kind of cool things. I like to think of Jesus putting that in his, having that in his mind as he thinks of us as well as being salt and light. But then we get to, to light, exploring uh, that's worth. Um, we live in an age where you turn a switch or, or click an app even and you got light on right? You, you, we walk somewhere, we expect there to be light. Our power goes out for 20 minutes, and we don't know what to do, right? To be the world of name, we walk outside, there's plenty of light. But we're used to there being light, readily available. They lived in a time where it, if light came on when the sun came up, it went off when it went down, unless you had lamps and candles. They had means of lighting things in uh, inside, but, and they did, but they had to be very careful, very mindful of those things. So light is something that's really easy to take for granted. However, in the ancient world, while they took day, may have taken daylight for granted, any other light was something to be managed and maintained and cared for and looked after. So how does that value translate and transfer to us as followers of Jesus? When Jesus looks at this crowd, he says, you are 
salt. You are light. In our English translation, it's really easy to read that as a command, as an imperative. Become salt. Become light. But when you get really Bible nerdy about it and look at the original language, these are not imperatives. They're indicatives. They're describing a reality, a current reality. This is who you are. And he doesn't just do it here. He leads into that with a, with a list of indicatives. This is the grammar language. But just things indicating who you are. The Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And on and on and on. We read those sometimes as commands. Okay, so we must become um, poor in spirit. We must become meek. We must, we must become hungry and thirsty or merciful. Not to say that some of these things aren't really good to try to become, but Jesus is saying, you are blessed. Those of you who are these things, you are blessed. Don't seek out to be mournful. But when you are mournful, know that you are blessed. That you will be comforted. Don't go out and seek the last, the last Beatitudes, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you. Don't seek those things, but when you experience those things, when they're on account of Jesus's, by the way, um, know that you are blessed and rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Those are indicative. Those are, those are just identifying things, identifying things. So the list of Beatitudes is you may be one of these things. If you're one of these things, know that this is, a, this is true about you. But then to the whole crowd, you who see me as your master, as your teacher, you are salt and you are light. Things about salt and light are in and of themselves, they don't have a lot of purpose. Salt by itself doesn't have a lot of purpose. Now we've gotten created with that Himalaya pink salt stuff. We have it, it's a bowl shape, and, we, and it has some, some um, little balls that go on it, and it lights up, and it's pretty. But that's not what salt's meant for, but it's, it can be pretty, sure. But just sitting there, it's a salt lick that's not licked. A salt lick doesn't even have purpose. Salt licks for cows, or anyway, for, you know, it doesn't have purpose until it's licked. <laughs> even if it's just a lump of salt there. Light, just light in and of itself, there light reveals light shows do you know one of the wonderful one of the I, I, it was it's a weird attribute of it I, I find it it's kind of uh, makes my brain buzz a little bit to think about color Co light doesn't just reveal color without light there is no color it's not just something innate in an object that gives it its color there's something innate in an object or material that absorbs light to a certain degree that it reflects the other light that is that color. So light in and of itself doesn't do much, but light, as it's a part of us, reveals, illuminates, enlightens. And as we apply that to us, how are we meant to enhance enlighten 
make better the world. We, as followers of Jesus, the things that we do are meant to be an extension of who we are in response to who Jesus is. One of the, one of the beautiful aspects of our Wesleyan heritage is, is that John Wesley never said that we have to do certain things into, in order to be saved, but as people who are saved through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we do certain things in response to that. Those that, those ring finger people, you know, the least, the last, and the lost, that we're referring back to the children's time with the prayer, in case you weren't catching what I was putting down. We're, we're meant to care for the least, the last, and the lost, and the poor, and the widowed, and the orphan is the language the scripture uses. But that's not things that save us, but they're a response of our faith. That's being salt, that's being light. And that's who Jesus is claiming we are. And I find that to be more than simply calling us to be those things. He's claiming that is who we are. A city on a hill, you can't help but see it. As a follower of Jesus, you are on display. And as one who claims to follow Jesus, your actions are, speak to your faith and they speak about Jesus. We live in an in a, in a era where the church has bad press From whatever, for whatever reason. Our lives are meant to be anything but and to speak for the grace and the love of Jesus Christ that calls us out of the world, that calls us to be more than we are right now, that is transformative, it changes us. We don't just show up and we become salt and light our own. It's through the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, that we become those things. But to the world, we enhance, we illumine. Revealing the glory of God through our life and through, and through our actions. And knowing that the good that is through our actions, even Jesus preemptively says, know that these are not for, from you, but these are to, to give glory to your Father in heaven. That's in verse 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, and see your good works, but give glory to Father in heaven. They're an extension of God at work in the world around us. Salt and light, two easy things to take for granted. Two simple things that we think of being everywhere, and they are, pretty much. But when they're not, we miss them. Whether it's in your food or trying to walk through your living room and not break a pinky toe. Just saying. We are to be just that essential, if not more so, in the world. May we welcome that transformation in our lives. May we welcome the responsibility to share the blessing of God with those around us through the lives that we live, the things that we do, the words that we say. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for calling us to yourself and making us more than we are as we follow you turning us into that which is essential and enhancing so that our world 
is a better place because your followers are in it. Help us to be faithful, to be faithful witnesses of your love, of your grace and mercy. Everywhere life takes us, everywhere the journey of faith leads us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.